Welcome to Scripture Uncovered, a podcast on the Bible brought to you by Logos Bible Study and LogosBibleStudy.com. This week, we're back in Greece as Dr. Creasy teaches live in Corinth. Just a warning, the audio quality is a little rough this week, but that's what you get for recording on the road. We hope this gives you a sense of the extraordinary experience of traveling with Dr. Creasy and bringing Scripture to life by visiting the places where these stories take place. At the end of the podcast, Dr. Creasy mentions our course on Corinthians in the Logos Online Classroom. That's available now. Just visit LogosBibleStudy.com and click on Online Classroom to find out more. Now, time for the program. Here's Dr. Creasy, live from Corinth. Well, here we are under the nice shady tree. We've walked up from the Erastus inscription to the Agora. And here we have the Agora out in front of us, the marketplace. And remember in Philippi, we saw the Agora and it was all paved. Well, this would have been too. And it was a big marketplace, a big Agora. And this is where Paul came when he met Priscilla and Aquila. They had their tent making shop here in the Agora. So let me turn into the story at Acts chapter 18. So Paul had been sent from Berea by ship to Athens because the mob from Thessaloniki had come after him. And in Athens, he spoke briefly, which we'll talk about this afternoon. And then he came to Corinth. And we read in chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. The Emperor Claudius had evicted the Jews from Rome in AD 49. And if you were a Jew living in Rome and you were evicted, what would you do? Where would you go? Well, there were tent makers by trade, that is, people who worked in leather and canvas. So where would you go? How about here to Corinth? You get on a ship, you sail to Corinth, you set up shop in the Agora, and there's plenty of work with all the ships coming in and out of port on both sides of the isthmus. A perfect place to sit out the eviction. You know, it wasn't the end of the world because knowing the Roman emperors as we do, Claudius would leave soon. Yes, we know. Indeed, he would. And he did. And Nero becomes emperor in AD 54. His mother, Julia Agrippina, engineered his rise to the throne by several murders, including poisoning her own husband and elevating her son to the throne at 19 years old. That was pretty good for a while, about a year. But Nero, tired of his mother pulling all the strings, so he poisoned her. <laughs> and that relieved him of the problem. But Priscilla and Aquila come to Corinth in 49. Paul arrives in mid-50 or so, and he meets them in the Agora. And they're tent makers, and that was his trade, as we noted. So he begins working with them, not because he needed a job, but it was an entree into the community, into the Jewish community here in Corinth. And there were a lot of Jews in Corinth. Why was that? Because, remember, if think of our think of our chronology. Paul is here from 50 to 52. He then leaves. He ends up in Ephesus, 54 to 57. And in 57, he sails for Jerusalem. 
where he's arrested, he calls it a riot, and he spends 58 to 60 at Caesarea Maritima as a house guest of the governor. And then he appeals his case to Rome, and he gets there in 60. He's there 60 to 62. He's not in prison in Rome. He's not a prisoner. He's a Roman citizen who appealed his own case to Rome, and he is sent there by the Roman government with protection from the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. A soldier, he had his own rented house, he was free to come and go, but he had a bodyguard, if you will, provided by the Romans as a Roman citizen because of troubles in Jerusalem. Well, we find out that we stood on the Diocola and we saw that Nero was the very first person to attempt to build an actual canal. He dug the first shovels full, and he brought 6,000 Jewish, well, we said prisoners, but think about chronology. In AD 66, the great Jewish revolt began in Israel. It, it, it began in Galilee, and it spread throughout. 66 to 72, 73 Masada falls. The Great Jewish Revolt, one of the dumbest things the Jews ever did in all of history. How about we fight the Roman Empire? <laughs> Nero sent his general Vespasian to Galilee to put down the revolt, which he did, but Nero committed suicide in 68. And there were four emperors within 18 months, all of whom died of assassination or suicide. It was utter chaos. Vespasian's troops proclaimed him emperor by popular demand. He was a brilliant general, and he came back and becomes emperor in AD 70. But while Nero was alive, he had sent Vespasian to Galilee to put down the revolt. So the Jewish prisoners who worked on the canal were not really slaves, they were prisoners of war, POWs, from the revolt in Galilee, brought back here and put to work on the canal. So that's our the context for all of what's happening here. So Paul gets here in Corinth, he meets Priscilla and Aquila, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Now every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks alike. Now we don't know exactly where that synagogue was, but we do have the inscription in the museum here, and we have the three menorah, or the images of the three menorah on the column. Greeks, or Gentiles, also attended the synagogue, much like Lydia would have had there been a synagogue there in Philippi. There were people drawn to the Jewish God. Now, when Silas and Timothy came from Berea, Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching. So once Silas and Timothy show up from Berea, Paul no longer works in the tent-making shop. He's full-time teaching and preaching and testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and he said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I go to the Gentiles. So what did Paul do? Leave Corinth? No. Paul left the synagogue and went next door 
to the house of Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. So he moves next door, opens the windows, and preaches loudly. So while the synagogue services are going on, next door, the home of Titus Justus, Paul is leading the whole congregation in amazing grace. <laughs> he was a nuisance. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household had become believers, and they were next door too. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Paul had been in trouble in many places. He had been beaten up, thrown in jail, and run out of town over and over again. Why, in Lystra, he was dragged outside of town and stoned. In Philippi, he was arrested, publicly flogged. But here in Corinth, it was more serious. Paul truly feared for his life. He was afraid. One night in a vision, in a dream, the Lord spoke to Paul and said, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Because I think Paul was at the point where he thought, I better get out of here or I'm going to die. Do not be silent. I am with you. No one's going to attack and harm you. I have many people in this city. So Paul woke up in the morning. Huh. He said, all right. I'll make a deal with you, God. You protect me, I'll continue here. And to seal the deal, Paul took a Nazarite vow, a vow of separation to God. Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Meanwhile, Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the governor. And the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. So Paul has been preaching loudly next door for a while, and he is a real nuisance. They can't carry on their synagogue worship because of this jerk next door. So they sue him, they take him to court, and they're gonna shut him down legally. The man's a public nuisance. So Gallio is the governor, and they take him to the place of judgment, the Bema, which is right over there between the trees. You see the white stone standing up? That's the place where they take him. We'll walk over there shortly. The case came up. Gallio said, now let me see here, case number 273, synagogue versus Paul. Well, they had brought their best lawyers. Paul sitting in the court, and the lawyer stood up and said to Gallio, this man is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. That is not Roman law. Under Roman law, you had total freedom of religion. The Jews could worship in their temple in Jerusalem. Uh, you could worship at the temple of Apollo. You had total freedom of religion. What law? Jewish law. And just as Paul was about to defend himself, Gallio said to them, the judge and governor, wait, wait a minute, he said. How dare you waste my time and the time of this court by making a complaint about some religious law if you were charging him with a misdemeanor or a felony i'd be happy to hear 
But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. You're wasting my time and the time of this court. Bailiff, throw them out. And the bailiff did. Threw them out. Sosthenes, who is the new leader of the synagogue, not the rabbi, but the archa-synagogus, the arch-synagogue guy, that is, the chairman of the board of the synagogue, Sosthenes, <laughs> whose idea it was to sue Paul and take him to court and shut him down, thinking outside the court over here at, at the Bema, and one of them looked at Sosthenes and said, what were you thinking? You humiliated us there in court in front of everybody. What's wrong with you? And whack, they slapped him upside the head. Now they said, you moron, we elected you chairman of the board. Boom, and they punched him in the nose and knocked him down. They beat Sosthenes in front of the court. <laughs> and Gallio said, ah, crazy Jews, next case. <laughs> so where's Paul? Paul walks outside. Here's Sosthenes lying on the ground, all bloody and a bent nose and black eye. And Paul came over to him and just kicked him. No, he didn't do that. <laughs> Paul said, look at you. Come on, let me help you up. And he got him up and off they went. This is AD 52. <clears throat> in the winter of 54, Paul is in Ephesus. And a delegation from Corinth arrives from Chloe's household here in, in Corinth. And they say, Paul, we're having terrible problems over in Corinth. In our church, there are factions and divisions. There are lawsuits among believers. There is blatant immorality. Can you imagine a church with factions and divisions? <laughs> lawsuits among believers and blatant immorality. And Paul said, Oi. He said, He writes a letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians. And here is what he says. He begins his letter, epistle technically, meant to be read aloud to the congregation. And Paul writes, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, the Archisynagogus, who got beaten up, is now a believer and with Paul in Ephesus. Paul, there are five correspondences that go back and forth between Paul and the church here at Ephesus. We have two of them, First and Second Corinthians, but there are three more that we can infer from the other two. You know, mentioning other correspondences. You've been listening to Scripture Uncovered, brought to you by Logos Bible Study and LogosBibleStudy.com. Don't forget to check out our new online course on Corinthians in the Logos Online Classroom. Go to LogosBibleStudy.com, click on Online Classroom for more information and to enroll. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.